Welcome to the Leading with Data podcast, your show where we cover the intersection of data, analytics, trends, strategy, and so much more to drive results. This podcast is brought to you by Molecula and Oracle. Hi, my name is Mimi Spear, and I am your host on the Leading with Data podcast, where business leaders from diverse industries will share how data is important to their business objectives and industry transformation. We are pleased to have Oracle and Molecula to be our sponsors today, and it is my pleasure to have with me Jason Dorsey, who will be the host of this podcast moving forward. Jason was, is the president and co-founder of the Center of Generational Kinetics, a research and strategy firm serving many of the Fortune 2000. Jason is also a best-selling author and has appeared on more than 200 TV shows, has done 65 research studies, and has over 700 clients. Welcome, Jason. Thank you, Mimi. I am so fired up to be here with you, to be here with all of our listeners, and to kick off this fabulous podcast. We have so many great things to talk about, and I'm just thrilled to be here with you. So thanks for turning the tables uh, on me today, and you being the interviewer, and me being the interviewee. I'm so excited to be here with you. Well, I'm thrilled. This is going to be a blast and we're going to test out your question and answer skills, but we can't wait for you to be the host of this podcast moving forward. So let's start with, you know, why did you agree to be the host of the Leading with Data podcast? Yeah, you know, when I heard about the show, I just got fired up. and I got so excited because there's a real lack of conversation today about data in a constructive way. And what I mean by that is it's very easy to quickly go down a rabbit hole of getting into the, the real nitty gritty of data. And for many executives and leaders who I work with, we want to kind of level that up and talk more about strategy and how does that apply to business? How does that solve problems, create new opportunities? And I felt like when I listened to so many other podcasts out there around data, there wasn't anything that really brought this business leader point of view. And I thought if we could put that together and ask questions that any leader out there, no matter how fluent they are in data, can be able to learn from this podcast, put it to use, help them in their organizations. I thought that'd be doing a huge service, not just for our industry, but for the entire marketplace. And, you know, anytime I get to do that, that just, just really, you know, makes you want to go do a podcast. You know, I, mean, I am a data geek. I can't help it. <laughs> That's amazing. And you bring up such a good point that, you know, when you really hear about data, it typically is in a more technical way and how it's being applied and how they're doing AI and all these fancy things with it. But there's not a lot of discussion about the business side and the impact it's having and the importance of it in the future of every industry. So I, I love that you bring that up. And I think that's that's a great reason. And we're just really thrilled that you've agreed to be our host. So I know everyone listening is probably really interested in what you do. You know, the center of gen generational kinetics, that just sounds so interesting. Can you just explain what your role is and, you know, the impact that data has on your role? Yeah, it's actually a great setup for even this entire show. You know, I got into this uh, in a very unexpected way. I'd written a bunch of books. I was doing TV shows. I was speaking for corporate boards and execs and private equity and venture capital and so forth. And I was talking about, at the time, really generations, frankly, uh, millennials, who we were most focused on, but now millennials and Gen Z. And, and I'm traveling around the world, speaking at all these events. And I, I distinctly remember I was in a boardroom, this big public company, and I was sharing all the different things that we were finding. And I'll never forget, the CEO uh, makes this really bold claim. And I thought, wow, that's super interesting. 
I wonder if that's true. And I, being naive, not knowing any better, not understanding the politics of the room, not understanding any of that at the time, this was uh, 12 years ago, uh, when we left, I, I emailed back to the company. I said, hey, you know, I heard this said in the, in the boardroom, I'd love to see some data so I can better understand it, sort of contextualize the problem, and then maybe um, I could come up with some solutions. And so they were like, sure. So they sent over the data, and I'll never forget, I was going through the data, and the data was different than what the CEO had just said at the board meeting. And mm. now I've served on public and private company boards. And that's one of the things that is always shocking when that happens, and it does happen. And I'll never forget, I turned to my wife, who has a PhD, her name is Denise, and I said, Denise, the wildest thing just happened. You know, I was in this board meeting, I heard this thing, it sounded, you know, a, you know, a little bit different than I've seen elsewhere. So they sent me the data and the data didn't match what was just said in that boardroom. What do you think we should do? I'll never forget it, she says, we should start a research firm. <laughs> That's why she has a PhD. I don't. And she said, if we can do primary research to help bring truth to executives and leaders who are making tough decisions and building strategy and trying to think and plan for their future, then we can really do a huge service for them. And what we also figured out, and this is why we focus on behavioral research, is so often, you know, our area of focus is generation. So we're looking at all the different generations, Gen Z, millennials, Gen X, baby boomers, and so forth, because we're focused on a term we coined called generational context. And, and the key thing here is this, when we talk about generations and what we kept finding with executives is every executive, for example, knew an entitled millennial. They all knew that one entitled millennial, but what we found is that entitled millennial had suddenly become the proxy for the whole generation, right? And, and, and then people would say, oh, millennials aren't working. And we're like, well, the data says that millennials are the largest generation in the workforce. In fact, they're the majority of your workforce. And so it was things like that, that the more we sort of demyth and busted through them in a constructive way, we never put down our negative anybody ever. But as long as we can sort of bring some truth that's really grounded in data, then we found we could have much bigger conversations. So ultimately, you know, now we're 65 studies past that first one. We've had over 700 clients, including many of the Fortune 500 and Fortune 2000, and we work all around the world. And what's most exciting is not only do we do primary research constantly, we have five studies in the field right now, but our clients send us their data. And that to me is sort of the missing link when we're trying to solve for challenges, because we what we see is trends hit certain areas earlier. So for example, if I'm studying how to market to millennials, what works in quick service restaurants might ultimately work in automotive, but it may be a few years later. And so being able to piece those sort of disparate data sets together and then combine them with ours is really exciting. That's what gets me, you know, sort of jump up in the morning and, and go try to solve these challenges. And when we think about the podcast, being able to engage in those conversations with leaders and executives, I just, I, it was too good of an opportunity to pass this up. And, and so I'm so excited to be here. That, that's really, you know, it's so interesting what you're focused on and you bring up such a good point around data because, you know, a lot of organizations, you know, they first start with what is the data I need? And the fact that you can bring data, you know, from their perspective, as well as you can collect it, you know, from all different other perspectives and give them the benefit of the knowledge that you've had across your clients, you know, that is just tremendous. And I think a lot of executives are trying to figure that out for themselves you know, how do they bring data from all the different sources and how does data become 
an asset and something highly valued in their organizations that they can actually make money on or that they can predict their future on. So I love that you're using this as an example. Um, so I have another question about your role because I'm sure many people are, are wondering this as well is, you know, give us some examples of the advice you've given to the executives of the Fortune 500 companies or these large companies that you're working with after you've done your research. Let's hear a little bit of that advice. Yeah, sure. So I'll just give you some that are probably maybe broadly applicable. Uh, one of the things that we discovered that we're pretty famous for at, at our center is we discovered that millennials, everybody was saying millennials are tech savvy. And what we uncovered is they weren't tech savvy. What they actually were, they were tech dependent. And that's a really important distinction because if you're tech dependent, you engage with technology differently than somebody who's actually savvy with it, right? And so that changes sort of the UI, the UX, how people are thinking about it. And so once we, we share that with executives, you, I mean, you can just see, because I speak to big audiences, the light bulb's going off going, okay, that totally changes how we think about that. So that's one example. Another example that we found is we realized that technology trends are rippling from the youngest up to the oldest. And this is very important, particularly for companies that are consumer facing. Historically, tech trends, particularly consumer tech, were driven by slightly older and often more affluent. That's who could afford it, and then they would drive it down. But as we've seen the price of these consumer tech products just drop almost to the point of being free or often being free, what we're seeing now is those tech trends are actually being driven up. Just a real simple example is you think about Facebook, uh, used to be this whole millennial thing. And now who's all over it? Baby boomers, right? My mom is always commenting on my Facebook page. You did what today? That looks so much fun. You know, love you. And I'm like, mom, that's a, that's a comment. Everybody could see that. I want to teach other message, right? And so you're seeing these tech trends starting from the youngest being driven up to the oldest. That's very important because what we see then is you see that being driven into the enterprise so on the workforce side which is about half of our work, you see young people today taking their expectations into the workplace. And what I mean by that is, and this is another thing that we talk about a lot and we're known for, is we say that technology is only new if you remember it the way it was before. And this is a really important point I write about a lot because if you're, let's say, 18 years old or 22 years old and you're coming into the workforce today, all you have ever known is, for example, be able to get your money over a phone. You've never had to go to a physical bank branch, or maybe you've always looked for a job through your mobile device, or you like online collaboration or video chat, whatever these things are. That's just bringing in normal. And I say that because older generations who I work with, who tend to be my clients, are like, they're driving all this change. And I'm like, no, no. This is all they've ever known. <laughs> Change to them would be using email <laughs> or actually picking up a phone and talking on. And, and so I share that because yeah. we have to reframe a lot of this and create this generational context. But when you do, people get excited. You know, but not only can they use it in their companies and with their colleagues and their customers, they can even use it in their family. And, and oftentimes they really love that part. And so those are just a few of the insights. And, there, and there's so many more. But the key is we're out there constantly doing studies, constantly analyzing people's data to be able to pull these things out. Oftentimes, they're not obvious. Nobody has said these things before, but when we're out there to bring them out to the world and test it and talk with people, they sort of take on the life of their own. And to me, that's a big part of leading with data. It's not just having the data and being able to accurately analyze the data. It's then going, what to do with it? What does it mean? How do I apply it? And frankly, sometimes, how do I not take action on this, right? Oftentimes, not taking action may be more important than taking action. And all of these pieces sort of fit together. Uh, and that's what you know really gets me fired up because every single day, we're creating so much more new data. Companies have so much data all in their organization, they're not even accessing, right? You know, it's stuck over here or stuck over there and these kinds of things. And so the more we can help them to really turn it into great decision-making, the better it is for everybody. The, the, every, everybody wins when we can do that. 
Well, I love your perspective and I like how you actually are taking trends and turning them into fundamental concepts that actually executives can take and run with. So as far as, you know, you do the research, you give them the information, but then how do you actually act on this data and how do you make, you know, uh, decisions is also just fundamental, you know, um, trends in how you make decisions because of the data. You know, I love your comment on, on millennials and, you know, <laughs> uh, just how every millennial is, you know, not the same and, and how do you not make those simple judgments, you know, over time. So anyway, this is such a great point you're bringing up and so relevant to our overall podcast, Leading with Data. So, you know, how do you take your data and not just understand it, but actually use it to make decisions? So I'm so excited uh, to hear more and to hear from all the executives and all the conversations that you're going to have and you applying your knowledge from your business and your expertise to kind of what they're learning and what they're saying about their data. So it's, I think it's going to be fabulous. Uh, so now I have another question. What is one prediction you have about the future of data in business based on your experience and, and the work that you're doing? And it can be about your area if you want. It doesn't have to be generic. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think so. I'll give a, a broad, broadly speaking one, and then uh, I will give something specific to what we do. So broadly speaking, I think there are finally going to be much higher expectations that people are effectively using the data that they already have. And I think we, we've sort of given people a pass in many industries, because remember, we work across pretty much every major industry. Uh, they've sort of been given a pass that there's a lag time between uh, being able to accurately make decisions on the data relative to the data that you're collecting or you have collected. And I think increasingly, there are higher and higher expectations. And we can throw out all kinds of uh, important, you know, catchy buzzwords, AI, machine learning, whatever we want. But at the end of the day, uh, the ability to accurately collect data and then be able to analyze it and make the right decisions or be, you know, prescribe the right decisions and so forth, I think is really important. And that's going to affect every industry. It doesn't matter whether it's super high tech or low tech. And I think sometimes we think only, oh, this is just for, you know, these high tech companies. And that's not the case at all. And that gets me very excited because I think it's going to create a lot of efficiency and a lot of opportunity for innovation. And then in terms of the type of work we do, you know, our core thesis is that generations are clues and not a box. You know, if you give me your birth year, I don't have all the answers. I can't tell you everything about yourself. But at a high level, based on all the research we've done, I can get some pretty good insights that will help me to have a head start. And that's what we teach companies is we can help you have a head start to better understand, connect with, build trust and drive influence, whether that's with employees or customers and, and by generation, specifically by job. So one big prediction that I think you're going to see going forward is that Gen Z and the oldest members of Gen Z are roughly around the age of 24. Uh, what we're already seeing, we predict we're going to see more of this, is that Gen Z will be the most consistent or more similar generation around the world. And that's a big deal. And that's due to cheap mobile technology, right? Wow. In developing countries Interesting. Now. Okay. Yeah, right. You can, you can get a phone for free as long as you use it for payment, these types of things. So as mobile devices become cheaper and cheaper, maybe even free if you use them in a, a, for, as a utility, as, as it drops down, what you're going to see is access to information, news, entertainment, sports, all these sorts of things. At the same time, this pandemic, unfortunately, is truly a global event. And this generation is experiencing it 
all around the world. And so for the first time uh, in a long time, we have a truly global event that's affecting a generation at a key time in their maturation. And it gets me very excited because all of a sudden, uh, not so much about the pandemic, definitely not excited about that. But as a researcher, it's really interesting because as we are fielding these studies around the world, we're seeing lots more similarities than one might expect. And so now you have a generation, this Gen Z that's emerging, that in many parts of the world will be the fastest growing generation in the workforce, that will be the, the most important generation of trendsetters. And you're going to see more consistent Now, they're not identical, clearly. We cut all of our data by geography, but there is a level of uh, consistency to them, of similarity to them that really helps businesses that want to expand globally. And that gets me very excited because I think it opens up a whole new world of strategy as we start to look around the world. And and obviously, you know, uh, prior to COVID, I lived on an airplane traveling all around the world. And this is the kind of thing that we love to talk about and see because it has massive implications for brand building and for designing new products and services and how we want to employ. So, yeah, it's, it's a very exciting time time if you're a researcher like us that studies generations because so much is happening on a global scale in a very compressed period of time so yeah now i totally that down on you there you crazy. go <laughs> no it's crazy because the prediction you have made affects everyone and the prediction you've made is really i think a really fantastic fundamental starting point to this podcast because if you said that to every executive that can you imagine that your consumers that are 24, you know, to this range, what is the range 24 to five, um, will have a potential consistent way of thinking or a consistent, and of course they're not all the same, but it's more consistent than others. Mm-hmm. How does that impact your business? How does that impact how you market? How does that impact how you think? How does that impact how they go to work every day and what they want to do? And how does that impact how you roll out your products and your services? You know, that is a tremendous prediction and something that I think would be incredibly helpful, you know, to anyone. So that yeah. gets me really excited. Maybe I'm geeking out too, but <laughs> I, I find that to be absolutely, you know, really interesting. And I can I can imagine why you believe that. I mean, I, I see why the research would go in that direction. It makes perfect sense, you know. So, yeah. well, when I was interesting. You know, prior to March, when I was traveling all around the world, I was in you know in Singapore and all these different places in the UK. I know. So, as we're traveling, I follow around. you. Yeah, I followed yeah, you like on the jet. <laughs> the, uh, I'm a groupie. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. Uh, and so the so what we saw we saw that sort of pre COVID, but the fact is we have a global generation defining moment. And that is one of these things that when you can really understand it, it's going to look different in Kenya and it's going to look different in, you know, India and different parts of the world, obviously. But it's, a, we just did a, an event where we had people from all over the world, Gen Zers, and you could hear them all talking about a shared experience. And that I think is just really profound. So yeah, I, I can't wait to get into all these conversations with each of the different podcast guests. This is going to be so much fun. And I am I'm thrilled and fired up that both Oracle and Molecula would sponsor the show and, and make it possible. Such a, such a great partnership. Wonderful, Jason. Well, we look forward to the next series. We know that there are going to be two sets of five. Is that correct? And you're the first of the first set of five. And so we will be launching these all at once. So whoever is watching this, they can go watch the next four immediately. And we are so thrilled about the guests that are coming. And I won't tell who those guests are because I want you guys to be excited for the next stage. But just stay tuned to Fantastic Leaders from, you know, a technical leaders to business leaders, you know, all, you know, within Fortune 500 or VC firms uh, or PE firms and really, really interesting people. So we are thrilled. Thank you. Is there any last thoughts or comments you want to make uh, after we kind of, you know, wrap up this first podcast? 
Yeah, absolutely. For all of our listeners out there, please check out the website, which you'll be able to access. And please also, if you have a guest that you would love to suggest, please recommend them to us. You can reach us directly through the website and we would love to uh, check them out and see if they're a great fit to have on the show. You know the type of amazing guests that we want to have on. So thank you for listening with us. So glad to be with you and thrilled to go through several more fun conversations with you as a listening audience. It's going to be so much fun. Thank you, Jason. Thank you to our sponsors, Oracle and Molecula. This is the podcast leading with data and we look forward to the next. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Leading with Data podcast brought to you by Oracle and Molecula. We look forward to seeing you on the next podcast.